Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is Let's Talk Cobra Kai. I'm Jason Connell. And I'm Sal Rodriguez. All right, Sal. Here we are back for another special episode because we're waiting for season three like everyone else. And today we're covering another classic show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes, which is a show I, I knew about. I've seen the billboards. And you know what's funny is that though the advertising that the show uses, they gave it a wholesome look. You thought it was sort of the all-American sitcom. But no, this show pushes the envelope big time. Yes, it does. It's quite crude and funny, and I actually really enjoy it. It came out in 2005, and from what I saw, it's still running. There's a season coming out next year. So there was a bit of a gap couple of years off. So that's a long running show. I've actually never seen any episodes until now, until we looked into more shows that had Karate Kid, Cobra Kai references in them. And this one does, is why we're talking about it. I have a really good friend who's been telling me to watch the show. So this was my introduction to the show. And I'm probably going to go back and see some more episodes. How about you? Yeah. And you know what I did this time around? Unlike when we spoke about how I Met Your Mother, I watched the first episode, season one, episode one, before I watched any others. I wanted to get a feel for the show, kind of get the tone of the show. Watch that first episode, that'll set you up. So in subsequent episodes, you're like, oh, okay, this is the kind of stuff that they do. The show's created by Rob McElhenney and Glenn Howerton, who are both on the show. Rob plays Mac, who, Sal, he looks a little bit like Haley Joe Osment to me. You know, I kind of thought that too, because the whole time I'm watching the show, I'm thinking, why does this guy look so familiar? So I look on IMDb and he wasn't in anything before this that I would have recognized him from. I thought maybe he was like a, maybe like a 90s sitcom kid grown up, you know? But no, the thing I find interesting is, is these guys who created the show cast themselves in the show as leads. Does that happen too often? Not that often, but it's probably the only way they got it made. And I should also say that Glenn plays Dennis Reynolds in the show. And they're both fantastic. And yeah, I didn't recognize them either, not knowing the show until research for this episode that we're doing of Let's Talk Cobra Kai. But they surrounded themselves with some really good actors as well, which include Charlie Day, who I love him and everything I've ever seen him in, especially Horrible Bosses. He had a breakout performance in that. Uh, he plays Charlie Kelly. And then there's Caitlin Olson. She plays Dee Reynolds. We talked before the recording, and you definitely spotted her from Curb Your Enthusiasm, and you were absolutely right about that. And then, of course, it has one of my favorite actors of all time from TV and film, and that is who? I would imagine you're talking about Mr. Danny DeVito himself, yes, who plays Frank Reynolds. So he plays the father of Dennis Reynolds and Dee Reynolds. So Dennis and Dee are brother and sister, and their father is Frank, played by Danny DeVito. Exactly. I should tell you the synopsis of this show, and it's essentially this. Five friends with big egos and small brains are the proprietors of an Irish pub in Philadelphia. And that's it. All the storylines come out of that. Yeah. It would be like if friends were wasted. Yeah, exactly. And that's why you get so many interesting storylines, and they're usually drinking in most of them. So, unlike How I Met Your Mother, there's less tie-ins to the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. There's definitely not an appearance from William Zapka or Ralph Macchio. So we set the bar high on our pop culture tie-ins to TV shows and the show that we cover. But there are three episodes with references, and that's what we're going to go through. Well, this is one of those times where I really believe after going through all this, where this is for the fan. 
of Karate Kid. This is for the fan now of Cobra Kai, because when you watch these episodes, no, they do not even utter the words Cobra Kai and only mention the words Karate Kid once in passing, which we would get to in a moment. But otherwise, they're not saying, hey, everybody, look, we're tipping our hat to the Karate Kid. They're not doing that. In fact, if you blink, you might even miss some things. So, we're going to help you uh, stay tuned to all the Cobra Kai Karate Kid references and uh, homages and tips of the hat in this episode. And and I got to tell you, Jason, I'm very excited because I have the silver lining type of mentality where I want to look at the bright side of things, right? So here we are waiting on season three. It got delayed. But while we're waiting, look what we get to do. We get to explore all over these avenues that we might not have visited if we were just focused on episodes of Cobra Kai. So this gives us an opportunity to kind of poke around at lots of cool things related to the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai universe. So true. And it's kind of like we get to play Let's Talk, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That also sounds like a a talk show. By the way, have you been to Philadelphia yourself? I have been to Philadelphia. I even went to see my beloved Washington Redskins, now named Washington football team, play the Philadelphia Eagles at the Vet, which was a famous stadium that was blown up and made room for their new stadium. But yeah, I went there and enjoyed my time in Philadelphia. My cousin used to live there. Great city, a lot of history, saw the Rocky statue, Mm -hmm. really cool stuff. How about you? No, I've never been. The closest I've been was uh, Pittsburgh. We shot an indie sci-fi film in Pittsburgh and and surrounding areas. But no, never made it out to the city of brotherly love, no. So we're going to jump in in chronological order and tell you the season and episode, the name of it, and the year it came out. And then just quickly cruise through each of these three episodes. So the first one, season two, episode five, $100 Baby, came out in 2006. I already love the title though, Sal. It says it all. Yeah, it's a tongue-in-cheek reference to, of course, Million Dollar Baby, uh, which stars Hilary Swank, who is in The Next Karate Kid, yes? Yes, that's a tie-in. Okay, there's a cool tie-in. Our director here, Daniel Atias, it's A-T-T-I-A-S, he directed 16 episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, three episodes of The Sopranos, six episodes of Six Feet Under, one of our favorite shows. Yes. Two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of my favorite shows, and 20 episodes of Beverly Hills 90210. It's quite possible this guy directed me when I was a young extra on Beverly Hills 90210. Love it. Wow. And also, I just wanted to add, Million Dollar Baby was directed by Clint Eastwood, but it was produced by Albert S. Ruddy. Now, I executive produced a documentary entitled Tough Ain't Enough conversations with Albert S. Ruddy. He's a famous producer. He created things such as Hogan's Heroes, Cannonball Run, and did many other movies, including Million Dollar Baby, won an Oscar for that. And Tough Ain't Enough, we named it after a line in Million Dollar Baby. Wow. I love all those degrees of separation, how you go all over the place and here we are again. I love that. Yeah, it's so good. So here's a synopsis for the episode. Inspired by the movie Million Dollar Baby, as we've already talked about, Frank teaches Dee to inflict punishment while Dennis and Mac teach Charlie to take punishment. But both fighting careers are derailed by the use of performance-enhancing supplements. My God, so good. I really enjoyed this episode, Sal. So we're not going to go beat by beat as we do on Cobra Kai or as we do when we break down one of the movies, The Karate Kid, Karate Kid Part 2, Part 3, or as we do on Let's Talk Movies. But we're going to do broad strokes and hit upon the touch points 
that mention anything with Karate Kid or Cobra Kai. I do think it's worth mentioning the very first scene where they're walking down the street. It begins with the gang all walking down the street, and they're in full-on discussion about Rocky IV being the greatest movie of all time, Sal, which cracks me up, and yet is another tie-in. Because John G. Avildsen, who directed The Karate Kid, Karate Kid Part Two, Karate Kid Part Three also directed Rocky and Rocky V, so he's tied to both franchises. And it's just crazy, right? You know what? Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of sad now because I wish he were here. I wish he were here to see all this. I feel sad for that. You know, I'm, Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Mr. Alvison. I would have loved to have the honor to interview him together for this podcast, but, um, but he left us some incredible work that we're going to be talking about for many years to come, let's hope. And it just occurs to me that they love Rocky for Rocky as the franchise set in Philly, right? Rocky's from Philly. Oh, yes. And these characters are set in Philly. Yeah, that's probably why they love Rocky. Yeah, hello. Now it all makes sense. When you go to Philadelphia, Sal, it will all make sense. Okay. Yeah, because everybody I know who has been to Philadelphia has run up the steps and done the arms thing. Uh, it's, it's mandatory. If you visit the area, I think it's mandatory. Yes. So, besides the Million Dollar Baby tie-in, it also brings another movie in the fold. It's kind of like a mashup. And Sal, what is the other movie? Well, definitely a lot of uh, visual images related to Fight Club. Although you can't say Fight Club, right? You can't, <laughs> right? Isn't that the whole thing? It's the first rule. First rule of Fight Club. But it definitely looks like Fight Club. You know, because my, my Cinemanesia, I saw Fight Club. I do remember the imagery of these underground basement fights. By the way, Fight Club, incredible film by David Fincher, mm. Brad Pitt, Ed Norton. Amazing. Basically, in this episode, there's these two parallel storylines. Mac and Dennis stumble into this underground situation where people are, you know, taking their shirt off and just just like fist fighting, just straight up out of the movie. And they realize Charlie might be the toughest guy they know or the guy that can take a punishment. And they want to sign him up and make some money on him. They're trying to work with Charlie to get him on board, who loves the idea of being a rock star in this arena. They're basically training him to take a punch or throw a chair at him or do different things, hit him with a beer bottle, toughen him up so they can bet heavy on him or against him. And then there's the other storyline. You have Frank who wants to get his daughter Dee tougher so she could take on all the guys. We learn that Frank Reynolds, that's Dee and Dennis's father, was called Frankie Fast Hands. He was a boxer in his youth. So he's agreed to train his daughter Dee on how to kick ass after she and the rest of the gang got mugged in the alley by the meth head with the knife and she was laying there, just left behind when the gang ran off. So she wants to learn how to take care of herself. That's right. She was super mad at them for leaving her because they were so busy in their Rocky Four talk. This guy pulled a knife and they bailed. And now she's pissed at them and wants to beat them up. So yeah, her father, Frankie, is taking her back to the old gym, the old boxing gym, straight out of Million Dollar Baby. It looks just like it. And she's pretty meek and she's never done anything in a gym. I mean, even just grabbing a bar and doing anything with it, it's just, it looks so unorthodox for her. So she's got a lot of work to do. As a former personal trainer myself, when I watched the initial scene when they go into the gym and he puts her under the squat rack and the way that he explains to her how to do a squat, oh my gosh, I am wincing. I was wincing at this moment. Well, she's even like, I don't think that sounds right. Lock your knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just lock, lock those knees. That was at least 
well, the Olympic bars are standard 45 pounds, and even if those are 25-pound plates on either end, we're looking at uh, about 145 pounds on the shoulders of a person who probably hasn't been to a gym ever or in a very long time. And it weighs more than her, most likely. And so cool, while they're at the gym, they run into Frank's old nemesis. His name is Bobby Thunderson, played by Eddie Mecca. I recognized him right away. You did. It took me a second. I'm looking at him going, who is this guy? And of course, Eddie Mecca played Carmine, the big ragu ragusa from Laverne and Shirley. Absolutely. I was like, oh my gosh, whatever happened to that guy? He was such a big personality on Laverne and Shirley. And we're dating ourselves by talking about Laverne and Shirley. It was a show back in the late 70s, early 80s. It starred Penny Marshall, who went on to become a great director in her own right, from Big to A League of Their Own and many other films. But the show was directed by Gary Marshall, her brother, who had a string of hits, which included Pretty Woman and many, many others. And he would even pop up in movies like Lost in America as an actor. But I always enjoyed him. And he actually passed away a few years ago, as did Penny Marshall. So rest in peace to both of them. Rest in peace. Also, Jason, did you notice the guy who was palling around with Bobby, the guy over his right shoulder, the other coach looking guy, the older guy? Who do you think he looked like? Oh, I don't know. I didn't get a good enough look. He looked so much like, and I know that they wanted him to look like Mickey from Rocky, of course, played by Burgess Meredith. He looked like him. If you watch it again, notice that that's who he looks like. That's who they made him to look like, I'm sure. Yeah, no doubt. And also at the gym was Brianna, who was... Bobby's daughter. And so then there starts to be a little bit of your million dollar baby. Brianna wants to challenge D and that starts to set things in motion. Brianna is an actual boxer. She's in the gym hitting people, knocking them down. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. They, they kind of make her look like she's, she's ready for some actual competition. Yeah. Right off the bat, she gives somebody an uppercut and knocks them out. So we know this girl can kick ass. So we'll see if D is up for the challenge here. But luckily for Dee, she ends up meeting, her name was Katie Chrysler. She's credited as Shady Woman. So this Shady Woman in the gym approaches Dee and starts to basically push steroids on her, or she calls them performance-enhancing supplements. So they're not, these are not steroids. So Dee starts taking these supplements, and she starts going nuts. She starts having what you would call roid rage. She is flipping out. And it's hilarious the way she delivers these scenes, like yelling at her dad over the phone, punching the wall. She is going nuts on these steroids. But guess what? She is ready to kick ass now. Yeah, because they're doing the whole thing where she's at the gym and now she's lifting more weight and she's leaving these performance enhancing drugs at the bar and Charlie starts to take them as well. So it's kind of funny how they're training separately. They don't even know what they're up to. They're doing their own things. The guys are training him. Her father's training her, but they're chewing these things down like chewable vitamin C. It's pretty funny. But this leads us to our Karate Kid connection, Sal. A beautiful training montage, much like the one in Rocky IV, which we also talked about on our Karate Kid Part 3 special episode, also referenced in Season 2, Episode 7 of Cobra Kai, which was entitled Lol. When Sam and Tori are both training and we're going back and forth through different styles, it's all the same. However, unlike Lol or Rocky IV, the song we hear in this montage, Sal, what is it? We're talking about Joe Esposito's You're the Best Around. As we know, 
the montage song during the 1984 All-Valley Tournament. So this song was played during the original Karate Kid during the All-Valley Tournament, where here, the song is used during a training montage, and unlike any other training montage I've ever seen before in my life. So true. They're chowing down on their performance-enhancing drugs. They're doing various things, and they're getting stronger. Like, Charlie can now take anything they throw at him, literally, and... D is completely roided out and ready to fight any and everybody, and she's never even been in a fight. So, it is hilarious. Not to mention she's shaving the newfound facial hair. First, she's using a little disposable razor. Then she goes full on with the electric razor all over her face. So, she is having the uh, hormone changes, as some of us have known about when it comes to steroid use. True. So, now we get to the day of the fights. Because, of course, they're on the same day. And Mac and Dennis are waiting for Charlie to show up. And they've named their fighter Clown Baby, which is hilarious. They've checked him in, but he's not there yet. We'll get to why in a minute. They're going back and forth and they're trying to get good odds because anyone named Clown Baby, no one's going to bet on him because they're going to go heavy on Charlie because he can take a beating. And then meanwhile, at the boxing ring, Dee's a no-show. And Frankie Fast Hands is catching crap from Bobby and Brianna, which starts to put some other things in motion, Sal. Yeah. What happens is Dee learns that Charlie has been taking her pills there at the bar. They wind up getting into a fight that involves a motorist there on the side. So, they end up going to jail. So, yeah, she misses her fight and Charlie misses his fight. Mac has to take over. And then here now we have Frankie Fast Hands ready to fight Bobby Thunderson there in the ring to avenge his previous loss from years prior when he believes- Which was a sucker punch. Yeah, he says it was a sucker punch. So, he wants to avenge his loss. So, he sucker punches Bobby and that might have been fine, right? But no, Bobby bumps into his daughter. The daughter falls onto a stool, neck hits the stool. Straight out of Million Dollar Baby, yes. And Frank flips out and just runs off, and that's how the episode ends. And we talked about this on the Karate Kid Part 3 episode when Mike Barnes cold cocks sucker punches Daniel to get a point taken away, and I thought, that's so dangerous. That is such a scene out of Million Dollar Baby. It's the slow-mo, everything's happening. And yeah, we don't want to see someone else break their neck. So, this show goes there. They say that Brianna now has a broken neck and she's going to live out the way that Hillary Swank did a Million Dollar Baby. This show definitely pulls no punches, no pun intended. But meanwhile, the other storyline is they sign who up to fight because Charlie doesn't show up. Well, since Charlie doesn't show up for the underground fight club fight, Mac jumps in to take his place. But then we learn that Dennis switched his bet around and actually bet against Mac. Clown baby. Yeah, against clown baby. Mac gets his ass kicked. He comes out of there a mess. They're walking down the alley. They get approached by the meth head again with the knife. He's going to mug him again like he did earlier. And Mac's like, I don't have any money. And he, he opens up his pockets. I don't have any money. But then Dennis, we realize, has a wad full of cash because he ended up betting against Mac. He won a bunch of money. And then what does Max say? Just stab him and he just walks off. And does Dennis give the meth head mugger the money? I think we just cut right there. Okay. 
But what cracks me up is he didn't tell Mac and nor was he going to tell Mac, which it was a big secret. And then jokes on him because he pulls out the wad as you just spoke of. When Mac leaves him, he says to him, don't act like a baby. And I really think he should have said clown baby. Just one more time, you know, right yeah. on the nose. I thought, oh, that was a missed opportunity to bring it mm-hmm. back one more time. Because essentially, Mac became Clown Baby because Charlie was the no-show, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. And so, no, we don't show him getting stabbed. We just assume he gave him the money and went on his merry way. And that concludes that episode. So, there's your tie-in. They did get Joe Esposito's song, the actual song, You're the Best. And that made that sequence great. It took the episode to another level because Sal, I think anytime you drop that song in, you've got gold. Well, you and I think so, and I agree with you. But like I said earlier, if you were not a fan of Karate Kid, if you did not know your stuff, that that scene would just fly by like any other montage scene. You may you might think, oh, that song sounds familiar. You might think that. But you're not going to think, ah, Karate Kid. So, this show is full of these nuggets that are, I think, really for the fan themselves. I think it's a great song, nonetheless. So, moving on to the next one, Season 4, Episode 13, The Nightman Cometh, 2008. And this episode was directed by Matt Shackman, who directed 43 episodes of the show. One episode of Six Feet Under, one of our favorite shows, episodes of Chuck and Weeds, and two episodes of, I know this is one of your favorite shows, Game of Thrones. Yeah, wow. Good director. Yeah, they some of these directors, geez, like top shelf TV directors on some of these shows. Absolutely. If you look at any prominent director's IMDb, you'll see that usually they've jumped on various shows like Modern Family or It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or How I Met Your Mother. You see that a lot. So the synopsis for this episode is Charlie stages a rock opera based on his song, Nightman, and recruits the rest of the gang to help him with it. So, Sal, I would say the Karate Kid Cobra Kai tie into this episode is very minimal. So we'll just do some broad strokes, talk about the episode briefly, because it's not that prevalent in this episode. Yeah, Charlie writes a musical called The Nightman Cometh. And right away, Mac, who has a role, all the gang takes a role in this new musical. And right away, Mac wants to give his character a karate flair. And he says under his breath, I'll put on a clinic. So, he's going to put on a clinic uh, doing some karate moves, which, by the way, have nothing to do with his character in the play. He just decided to add karate moves to his character. So, this is the first time I think we see in, th- in this episode, anything karate oriented is by Mac himself delivering these moves. And this is a wild musical. And some of them had real singing talent. I got to give them credit. But it's just crazy. It's an over-the-top premise. But yes, our first and only reference to the Karate Kid in this episode is when we finally see Mac and he's wearing a black gi and the arms are cut off, very Cobra Kai-esque, if you will. And he's got a black belt, of which I don't think he earned, Sal. No. And again, that's one of those other things where I think only the true Karate Kid fan is going to see the parallel where they're teasing him about an unearned black belt. Well, what happened in the Karate Kid when they go to the tournament? How does Daniel LaRusso get his black belt at the tournament, right? Courtesy of Fast Fingers, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. So, some of these, I think, are little tips of the hat where only the, the, the aware fan is going to be catching on to these little nuggets. I love them. 
I see the parallels. Yeah. But I'm just wondering if a lot of these are going to pass over people's head. And one thing also, Mac wears the Cobra Kai knockoff gi in this, but there's no emblems on it at all. There's no there's no snake no. on the back, as we're going to see in a subsequent episode. So no. this is definitely a knockoff Cobra Kai gi because it doesn't even have a snake on it at all. And he's got slick back hair, tattoos, which he has anyway, so it makes him look more Crease-esque. And for his role in the musical, he has cat's eyes. Yeah. Which are hilarious. <laughs> and an incredibly elaborate eyeliner. So he's, he's yeah. got a very interesting yeah, it's look. it's actually kind of cool. No, I think he looks pretty neat. But it's, it's so wacky because it has nothing to do with, with the character. Or should I say, he kind of created this character. He was given a role in this musical written by Charlie. And he just kind of created this character. And the character wears a gi, eyeliner, and cat eye contact lenses. And does karate. And does karate just every now and again. I should also say that most people in this musical kind of went rogue a little bit and did their own thing. I mean, Dee, she created her own little side song to sing. And Charlie's like, oh my God, I'm going to kill your face. You can't sing your own songs. But back to Mac, he's doing these little like crazy karate moves, almost like a, a ballet across the stage. It's quite funny. And you can also tell that as much as he likes karate and he wants to be a black belt, He's like the furthest thing from it, Sal. He's a poser. I thought maybe he's taken some classes. Like he didn't look like a complete green novice. He looks like he's maybe taken a, a course or two. You don't believe it? No, I think he's a guy that's watched karate films. Okay. And maybe he had a book like Daniel had in The Karate Kid. That's what I think. I think there's an attraction to it. But he knows nothing about it because he wouldn't treat it this way. He wouldn't be wearing a gi around with a black belt that you didn't earn. Okay. And this isn't Halloween. No, I look at him as a complete <laughs> poser. Okay. So, and then he goes on to fight Dennis yes. in this hilarious little sequence where they're almost like Mr. Miyagi and Terry Silver when Terry Silver was mocking him when they fought in the dojo. A little bit of that's going on. Like they're just kind of playing it up for the audience, if you will. And you do hear another reference to the Karate Kid, which is what, Sal? Mac goes in for a punch, and we hear him say, body bag. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? So Who catches that but the fan? Who catches that? I'm sure it's Sonny and Philadelphia's fan base is pretty well dialed into references. So, most people in a certain age bracket are going to get that. But... I love that he says it in that context. We've never heard it that way. Throwing a punch, body bag. <laughs> of course, we know this from the Karate Kid, and it was wonderfully tied into Cobra Kai when, rest in peace, we lost Rob Garrison. And the way they brought him back to the show, that we see him in a body bag in that episode, and then he dies you know, X amount of months later. Uh, it was really just poetic. And so that's kind of forever in Karate Kid Cobra Kai folklore, but I've never seen it this way and it's never been funnier than in this way. Yeah, yeah. I want to start using this phrase now, like if even simple things, like I stub my toe, body bag, like I'm just going to use body bag <laughs> for like anything now. I love it. I love it. So the fight continues between them and out of nowhere, Dennis pulls a move right out of Roadhouse. And he goes in and he takes Mac's heart, as Patrick Swayze did, as Dalton, as he took Jimmy's heart out in a great karate fight. 
and he pulls his heart out and holds it up and he wins the fight. <laughs> I love it. This fight had a body bag and had someone pull someone's heart out. Come on, this is like Mortal Kombat. What a fight. Yeah, and, and what's funny is if you look at the audience there, you see the audience watching this little musical. Like nobody is, it's, it's not the kind of crowd you think would even want to see hearts ripped out of the chest. Like it's like the residents of a senior center. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, they're just like, do we applaud here? So the musical comes to an end and we finally find out that Charlie put this whole thing together to do what, Sal? At the very end of the stage production, Charlie comes down, what, like on a like on a moon, like for, from from the ceiling. Our son? Yeah, is it the sun? And he's a, sort of like in a Willy Wonka type costume. And he sings and proposes to this girl in the front row who he invited. He invited her. Apparently, he stalks this woman and told her, if you come see my musical, I'm not going to stalk you. I'm going to leave you alone forever. So, she comes to see the musical, sits in the front row in a reserved seat. Of course, she says no and walks off. But... A hilarious ending to an already hilarious musical on top of a hilarious sitcom. So good. Yeah, she was so annoyed and just repulsed by him. She only came there to get away from him. And then as she walks away, he's like, well, I didn't sign anything, so I'll see you tomorrow. Because you don't have that in writing. So I'll be stalking you still. (laughs) Get everything in writing. So now we're on to the third and final episode that we're covering, which is season nine, episode five, Mac Day. 2013. And this is directed by Richie Keene, who directed 11 episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, three episodes of The Goldbergs, episodes of Shameless, Superstore, and Young Sheldon, another top-notch director here. Wow. And five episodes of Golden Girls. Did he? No. (laughs) He's too young. The synopsis for this episode is as such. Each member of the gang gets one day to do whatever they want while the rest of the gang must participate. This is Max Day. Yeah, it seems like the gang here has agreed where one day out of the year, you just are allowed on your day to have your friends do the dumbest, silliest, outlandish things. And today is Mac Day, and we are joined on Mac Day with Project Badass. So good. So, along with Project Badass is Country Mac. Country Mac is Mac's cousin, played by Sean William Scott. We all know him and love him as Stifler from American Pie. He shows up and they greet each other with like fun karate sparring moves they do on each other. And and they do the little... That is funny. That is a great intro. And really, this episode starts to get hijacked by Country Mac because this guy's super cool. He rides a motorcycle. He always has a beer, like endless beer. He's always got a new one. He jumps off bridges. He gets everyone high. <laughs> He's kind of Fonzie-esque. When Max's bag of chips gets stuck in the vending machine, he can't get them out. And Country Mac just goes over and barely touches it in the right spot, much like Fonzie would do. And they drop. He's just super cool. But look at look at the universe that we're in. Yes, he's like Fonzie, but he was a little more gentle and methodical. So, more like Miyagi. He was like Fonzie Miyagi. Absolutely. So, the Karate Kid tie-in for this episode is that Mac, in the midst of his day, where he's taking him to go do all this wild stuff, from observatory to filming him fake jump off a bridge, of which Country Mac does jump off the bridge, he takes him to a karate tournament to observe. And I think... What, to be a judge or something? Yeah, I think he says he's going to go be a judge. But what happens is the gang 
signs him up to fight. So while he's sitting in the bleachers and they tell him, hey, we signed you up. And then they start to ask him questions about his black belt. He's because he's wearing a black belt. Oh, yeah. He's definitely wearing his gi again with the black belt. But this brings up a couple of points. One, he doesn't want to do it until Country Mac is willing to do it. And then he's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'll fight. And two, it's much like the Karate Kid when they go to sign Daniel up at the tournament, the All-Valley Karate Tournament under 18. And Daniel hadn't done any real training. He wasn't a real belt. So it's like, yeah, this kid, he's a black belt. So you really can just sign up for a karate tournament and fake it. So here we are. And Mac is being thrust into this arena. In my opinion, he's never been to one karate class. Well, his tough guy cousin, Country Mac, says to him, shit, Mac, you can do it. Just go right for the guy's throat. So that's his yeah, I know. That's his method. Just go for the throat. He says while drinking a beer. And now we see his gi, and it's changed just a little bit because this time, Sal, he has some sort of snake. I don't know if it's a cobra, but a red snake on the back of the gi that he was wearing from the musical. Yeah, I did a freeze frame and he is wearing, I believe, the same gi from the previous episode. But this time we have a snake on the back. It is not the Cobra Kai Cobra. No. Okay, but it is a Cobra. I did I did study it, but it does not say Cobra Kai, obviously. This is a red and black emblem, not a yellow and black emblem like Cobra Kai. So it's just a cool Cobra. It doesn't have as big of a hood. The Cobra Kai Cobra has a very large hood. It's sort of a uh, a little brother to the Cobra Kai emblem that we all know and love. And it's there em- emblazoned on his back of this knockoff gi, as we're calling it. Yes. And so, again, much like in the musical, before they fight, because he's about to face off with another black belt or a black belt, and he's doing all these little jumps and things and just looking like a buffoon, to be completely honest with you. And then as the ref brings them into bow, what happens, Sal? The ref says to the fighters, bow. Mac turns to the ref and bows. And that's when the ref says, not to me, Karate Kid. That's where we hear the words, Karate Kid. And I go, aha, he said it. So he doesn't know anything about the tradition of martial arts, Sal. He's completely lost. He's a total fraud. But however, that said, the fight begins. And what happens? Well, I guess Mac gets lucky. The fight starts, a kick comes his way, and he blocks. It looks like it's sort of a double arm block. He gets a point. He gets a point for blocking a kick. It's kind of accidental. He turns towards his friends. He's excited. He got a, a point. He's gloating there that he got a point against a black belt. Against a real black belt. Yeah. He's excited. (laughs) But then, this is when I think we're getting into some of these uh, illegal kicks. It looks like he just turns around. They're not in the official round. No. And this guy does some sort of spinning kick and kicks the crap out of him. Yeah, he does a really nice like spinning back heel kick, I believe, and hits him right in the head, knocks him out. But this was in between. You're supposed to come back and reset. So, in my opinion, Sal... Mac wins by DQ. Yeah. If I was the referee. Mm-hmm. But essentially, he got his ass beat. And after that happens, Sal, all hell breaks loose in the arena. Country Mac comes down and goes after the throat of the black belt that just knocked down or knocked out Mac. And the whole tournament's off. We have panic on our hands. Well, first, Country Mac gets this guy in a rear choke. Then, like a couple of beats later, He takes off his shirt and gets the guy again. And the gang is watching from the stands. Just they can't believe what's happening there. Their eyes are huge. And then at the end, when this is all over, they're all walking out. 
everybody's all about Country Mac. So they're like, Country Mac is so badass. And Mac's like, well, what about me? You know, I scored a point in a black belt karate tournament. Like he wants some of the some of the kudos. He He's getting none of the kudos. No, none of them. Sal, I like when they come outside that a really big guy and the black belt both come up to them because they want to continue the fight. But Country Mac yet again best them. And this time, how did he do it? Country Mac, he was able to deduce that this guy had a knife in his boot and he reached for the knife, grabs the knife and disarms this guy, totally squashing the whole situation. And this biker type guy gets his knife taken from him and him and the black belt walk off, totally bested. So this gives the viewer and our cast more reason to just love Country Mac and just talk about how fantastic and awesome and what a badass he is. Absolutely. And yet another reference to Roadhouse. In that movie, when Swayze was at the door in one scene, or Dalton, he says, right boot. As these guys came in to perpetrate the double deuce Mm. and one of his bouncers looked down at the boot and there was a knife coming out of it. A little different, but the same. He was so quick to deduce this guy's got trouble. Look at the knife. And so this guy was channeling some of that Swayze, Country Mac was. And so they love him. In fact, they want to do a replacement. They want Country Mac instead of Mac moving forward. And Country Mac's a man of few words, where Mac will just talk to them forever and beat them into submission with his words. And so he agrees to be part of their gang. And then he gets on his motorcycle. And what happens? Country Mac drives a few yards. He rides a few yards. And then he just kind of stops and keels over and and dies. He just he just kills over, drops his bike, and dies. And by the way, uh, Sean William Scott's actual birthday is 1977, but in this movie, it has his birth date as 1976, which I thought was interesting. I mean, if you if you're gonna go that far, I wonder why you didn't just make it the same birth year as the actor portraying the character. So I wonder if there was any significance to the birth year of being 77 versus 76. That's a good point. And it kind of reminds me of the Karate Kid or Cobra Kai when they had Mr. Miyagi live much longer than Pat Morita, the actor. Yeah. So there you go. Country Mac gets cremated. He dies, he gets cremated, and they have a wake. This is all in the same day. (laughs) Yeah. It's Mac Day. Come on. Okay. So what happens at the very end, Danny DeVito, Frank Reynolds looks at his watch He tells everybody, hey, Mac Day is over. It's now Frank Day. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, this is one of those things where you see, okay, this is what this show's about. This is the kind of over-the-top stuff this show does. Frank grabs Country Mac's urn, pours it in the toilet, flushes Country Mac down the toilet. That was the demise of Country Mac. That's right. And right before Frank Day... Mac was doing his little speech to everybody, saying some good things about Country Mac, and they were all looking on. But he started to do some karate moves again. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And he does his little karate number, and then he ends Sal with a namaste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Which is an expression from <laughs> yoga, not karate, <laughs> which was too funny to me. And he's like, now we're going to go bury Country Mac in a beautiful, scenic place, mm-hmm. and and that's when... Frank chimes in. The show pulls no punches. Yeah, no holds barred on sitcoms nowadays. So that's all we got. Super fun to run through another show, a show that I'll probably be revisiting on many other episodes. I really enjoyed it. And Sal and I are going to be looking for other shows with references from The Karate Kid 
or Cobra Kai because these are a lot of fun, Sal. Yeah. As we're waiting on season three to drop from Netflix, the date is January 8th, 2021. Until then, we are killing some time by exploring the Karate Kid Cobra Kai universe. So if you've got any tidbits or any news or insight or anything you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We're always here to listen. And in your spare time, feel free to visit our other show, Let's Talk Movies, where the first season is 10 movies from the 80s, and each year is a different movie. So a lot of hard choices, but don't worry. I'm sure we'll revisit the 80s at some point in time, but I don't know what season two is going to bring. It could be the 70s. It could be the 90s. But Sal's come on for a couple of great episodes. He did American Werewolf in London with me, as well as The Fly. Um, another great one to check out is To Live and Die in L.A., a favorite film of mine by William Freakin, who did The Exorcist, French Connection. And it's a great movie. If you ever get a chance to see it, please do. And the podcast will take you through it from A to Z. Sal, have you actually listened to that one yet? Yes. As a matter of fact, I have. You know, one thing I really like doing with these Let's Talk Movies podcasts is watching the movie. I mean, it's no different than Cobra Kai. Watch the content and then listen to the podcast at your leisure. One thing I'm really enjoying are these little nuggets of trivia that we like to give out. And I just imagine somebody's out there possibly driving a truck all day, listening to every detail of these movies and learning all kinds of cool tidbits. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. And we'd greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcast. You can also follow us on social media at Let's Talk Cobra Kai, and please message us if you have any comments or questions. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter of the show, just search for Let's Talk Cobra Kai. And if you're just curious about our other shows, please visit JustCuriousMedia.com. No mercy.